What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on our news, notes, and happenings around the world of sports. Episode 154, our pre-Thanksgiving show. Wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get this in or not, but schedules lined up just right, and it will be on time. So I don't want to speak for Ben. He obviously can speak for himself. But I want to wish everybody out there a very happy, safe Thanksgiving. I know me personally. Got a lot to be thankful for. Uh, very lucky guy. I uh, hope all of you out there listening have a safe and wonderful holiday as well and have just as much to be thankful for. Um, hopefully you'll be thankful for listening to this episode, but that remains to be seen. So, Ben? Yeah, I just hope everyone has a safe holiday. Uh, happy Thanksgiving and just uh, ready to kind of tear into this weekend that we just got um, with the NFL. Oh, yeah. yeah there's there's, there's a, a bit a bit to talk about. Uh, but first, somebody who will be having a very happy Thanksgiving, a young man in Tampa Bay, Wander Franco, the all-world uh, prospect shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, has not officially signed, but it is only a matter of time, a 12-year, $225 million extension, which is a lot for the Rays as far as years and money go. Uh, but overall, when you talk about middle-of-the-road contracts on a year-to-year basis, or poor-year basis, excuse me. Um, I mean, it's, what do you say, it was 16? 16-something average. Yeah, which, you know, like we said, sports money's monopoly money, but in the grand scheme of things, when you're talking about the upper echelon guys getting 25 or 30, uh, this is a good deal for a young guy who's still got to prove himself long-term, and it's a good deal for a team that can get a premier player for I'd assume there'd be at least four or five years before an opt-out is possible. Uh, so I think it's a win-win. It's a win. Here's here's where I stand on this, Chris. The, the kid, and I say kid, he is a kid. He is a child. Right is he 20, 21, 22? 20 years old. 20, oh, 20. Jeez. Yeah. Um, he has 281 at-bats, 70 games played. This was his rookie season, and he got this deal. He's going to be, I think I thought, I thought I saw 32 or 33 when the deal ends. It's a good deal for the Rays, regardless if he succeeds or fails. I need to see the language to see if there's an opt-out opportunity, if there's a chance for him to increase escalators, bonuses. It just seems like if he hits his peak potential, this is a great deal for the Rays and a horrible deal for this kid because he'd be one of those market setters. That being said, this is what the Rays need to do. This is not the first time they've done a long-term contract. I think they did it with uh, Evan Longoria. Um, I think there's one or two other players, that uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, which, by the way, I saw a report they're trying to trade him. But they did him, you know, they they buttoned him up for quite a few years uh, when he was younger. I, I'm sure a Rosarini, a Rosarini, that's, I'm, I'm pronouncing it correctly, right, Chris? A Rosarina, but close. A Rosarina. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to do that with him at some point. Uh, I believe they did it with uh, Archer, maybe, uh, Matt Moore. Way, we're going way back. Uh, so what I'm trying to get at is, this is not a new thing for them. This is same hat. They're just trying to find the right players that they can spread that money over many, many years. 
and if they get that top end talent to perform on the field from them, then their their dollars are, are really cashing in. Whereas, you know, he could have went through his arbitration all the way to his arbitration years, but he probably would have finalized his arbitration somewhere else because that's kind of what happens. These players get to, you know, $20 million a year, $15 million a year in arbitration. The Rays have to start thinking about moving on from them. And and if you're out there, you think, well, you just said he's averaging 16 a year. Yeah, it's average. But, you know, there will be many years down the road where he's not making a whole lot. And it's kind of – they're kind of <laughs> – delegated that 16 money. million not making a whole lot okay well as time progressed he'll get more and more i'm sure when the full contract comes out uh when it's unveiled you know it's going to start off low and, and gradually tick up but i think for him it's security uh this guarantees him a lot of money whether he fails or succeeds where i have an issue is if this locks him in permanently you know, for 12 years on this contract, there's no outs. There's no op, no, no opt outs, no escalators, no nothing. I was like, you're minimizing his ability to make a, a top end of the market's salary. I, I do agree with you. If, you know, he, to an extent, like if, if it, there isn't, which look, when this all comes out, there's no way there isn't at least a couple opt outs along the way. Um, I'd be absolutely stunned. Uh, and if, if whoever this kid's agent is didn't put an opt-out somewhere in there, this kid needs to fire his agent right now. Uh, well, we can't now. He just signed a contract, but <laughs> it won't really matter. But he should have done it before he signed the contract. Um, but, I mean, I look at it this way, too. Uh, we see prospects all the time. Quote, can't miss prospects. Quote, number one guys. Quote, we're going to lead the team for the next decade and a half, two decades who come in and have a decent rookie year maybe, and you kind of chalk it up to growing pains, and then they really just never pan out into the like the stud player they're supposed to be. Um, I'm not saying it'll happen with this kid. This kid looks like the real deal by all accounts. Uh, looks like He looks like another Mike Trout, honestly. He looks like just everything about his game just screams he's the real deal. He's legit. Um, but I think if you're this kid – you made the right call by avoiding arbitration, by avoiding all that mess, by avoiding all the bad will that can come along with that with the team year to year. Uh, and he goes out in spring training, blows out his knee. Can ever be the same again? Can ever play the way he you know once could, and can ever get back to that high prospect status? He still made two hundred twenty-five million dollars. Baseball contracts are fully guaranteed. As long as he ain't violating his contract, he gets that money. So. I agree if there's no opt-outs, it's a mistake. I guarantee you there's opt-outs at least at least within the first five years. There's probably one after like year three or four. They probably said they'll give him an opt-out after where his arbitration would have been. And, and hey, if or excuse me, where a free agency would have been, where it would have started getting ugly. Yeah. Uh, and, and if if he ends up being mediocre, he's the smartest man in the whole team. Because now he's making... 16 mil a year to potentially be Ben Zobrist until until he's in his early 30s, at which point he can just be like, yeah, you know what? Screw it. I'm loaded. I'm out. So it, 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 if, if I were to make a prediction, one prediction on this contract, Chris, 
I have to think there's some sort of trigger in it if he gets traded. Because I think that's the biggest that could be the biggest issue for him is that this car- this contract will just carry over to another team on a trade. And that could put him in a position where he's just constantly traded for this and that. And it, it doesn't it just doesn't something about it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think it's just the unknown. But I'm hoping at minimum there's going to be some sort of trigger in there because you know how the Rays are with their talent. And and I don't, I don't I don't blame them for it. They like to pull the trigger a year or two early, maximize their um, uh, return on investment. But it just there's just something about this that just it, it irks me a little bit too much, especially with the kid playing 70 games, not even 300 at bats, and he's signing this deal. Uh, this is different than Tatis. Tatis. Tatis has had has some proven track record and he got a mega deal. And I think that he's, he's going to be well off. I, I'm just hoping there's some way for this kid to potentially get out of it, whether it's overperformance or some sort of trigger in a trade in a, in a, in a trade. <laughs> Those, those uh, those interested in helping the future financial woes of Wander okay. Franco can can go to GoFundMe.com slash woe is me to uh, to make sure he gets an addition to the sixteen million dollars a year he'll be making to play a game. I, I so. understand the context, Chris. I do. Trust me. I wish I was making that kind of money, but I, I'm just saying in the, in the grand scheme of things. No, and, I'm hope, yeah. I'm hoping there's some extra language in there that tells. Oh, there's got to be. There's got to be. Well, like we said the contract hasn't even been signed yet officially, so yeah. it's still still working out deal, like working out details. So there's definitely, definitely going to be more to it. I mean, and, and look, like I said, I 100% agree with you. If it comes out there, there's no opt out and there's no nothing to protect this kid long term. Yeah, that's a bad, bad deal. Right now, if he ends up being mediocre or getting hurt, right, smartest guy in the field. Uh, okay, uh, well, last time uh, we gave all the awards up into the MVP because the MVP award came out the night after we recorded, uh, and we gave our guesses. I believe we both said Shohei Otani would win the AL, yep. which he did, rightfully so, uh, unanimously, I might add. Uh, so that's quite an accomplishment by a generational talent, possibly even if there's a stronger word than generational talent, it may be it may be suitable to put that label on Otani. Uh, but nationally, we both thought Fernando Tatis Jr. was a shoe-in, uh, and Bryce Harper won. And my first reaction was, I think what a lot of people's first reaction was, which was, yeah, really? Like, because I, I don't know. Like, you know, I think the Braves being in the NL East – with with the Phillies, which is who Bryce Harper plays for, and then winning the the winning the World Series, and you know the Phillies kind of being close. I mean, they were kind of kind of. I mean, a little bit. I mean, they were eight games back in the end, but um, oh no, not the uh, wait, six and a half. That's a wild card I'm looking at. 
They're six and a half games back, so it wasn't like it was a dead race. But I mean, it was there was times it was closer throughout the year, and I, I just think he kind of got lost in the shuffle of that a little bit uh, because when you look at the numbers, um, I mean, it's it's not as egregious as I once thought it was. Truthfully, um, I actually don't mind it. Now, to be honest, uh, I've never been a huge fan of Bryce Harper, but uh, he's a very talented hitter, uh, as as we've seen by him winning the. Uh, Hank Aaron Award, and now the MVP, for his second MVP. Um, quietly had quite a career so far, and he's still relatively young. So just run down the numbers real quick. Uh, hits. Hits, he was... Uh, Juan Soto actually had more hits. He had 157. Tatis Jr. had 135. Harper, Harper had 151. Harper had 35 homers. Tatis had 42, Soto had 29, um, at bats, Harper had 488, Tatis had 478, and Soto had 502, average, which is obviously a big one, Harper had 309, Tatis Jr. was 282, which is not bad by any means, especially in today's game, but... Soto hit 313. So you have two guys who hit 310 or over and he hit in the 280s. Kind of hurts him a little bit. Harper had 101 runs, 84 RBIs. Tatis Jr. didn't have over 100 in either of those. Uh, Soto actually had 111 runs and 95 RBIs. Um, and Harper, when it came to the uh, all the Saber metrics, Harper had both of them as well. So. Or advanced stats, as people, some people may not know what sabermetrics is. That's all the advanced stats. Penn and I constantly say we don't like. Um, but another thing at, at the end of the day, too, is uh, team victories. Uh, Harper's Phillies at 82 wins. Uh, Soto's Nationals only had 65, and they looked absolutely terrible. And the Padres at 79. So this team had the most wins. He had a lot of advanced stats that he led with and then the the main categories the rbis homers you know they were kind of back and forth uh depending but i really thought when i heard harper won i'm like god that is just a bad call it should have been tatis jr and i think we get a little bit blinded by the flash and flare of his game which i absolutely love i'm not knocking the kid at all uh but i think we kind of get blinded by that a little bit and that we see somebody like harper who's a little bit more I mean, he's boisterous. He's not quiet by any means, but he's not quite as out there. So we're like, oh, well, Tatis is clearly better because you just hear more about him. But I didn't think a week ago, hearing he won MVP, I would say this, but I I, I really don't mind it uh, after looking at the numbers. So I don't have a problem with it, honestly. And it, it kind of... Uh, I don't know how to put this any other way. It's like it just craps in the face of the the new age guys that are trying to influence the what stats are used. Because yep. I'm just going to run down one stat. It's all I'm going to use. It's war. We wins above replacements. Uh, we don't use it because I I don't I don't care about the stat. But you talk, you hear a lot of the new sabermetric kind of people in baseball, experts, analysts, 
they used this stat and Juan Soto was a seven. Fernando Tatis was a 6.6 and Bryce Harper was a 5.9 and Bryce Harper won. So I think we're still looking at, you know, a, a wave of, of how they're looking at the MVP and all the other awards by utilizing these new age stats. But I think, I think if you have a healthy mix of them all, you can get a better assessment of, who performed the best? Who is that true MVP of each league? And, you know, Shohei is kind of an exception because he's just, he just did it all, literally. Um, but as far as Bryce Harper, yeah, good for him. He won it. Yeah. I did, I did want to ask you a question, Chris. Sure. Because uh, we did mention this a week or two ago. I don't remember exactly uh, how, um, something a certain date was going to be coming up and i didn't know when uh december 1st is that going to be concerning if we hit december 1st and there is no new collective bargain agreement <sighs> the rumors out there that there's going to be a stoppage now for everyone's information it won't affect the product on the field until february because I can imagine, Chris, and maybe I'm wrong on this. If it seeps into spring training and they get a deal done sometime in the middle of February, they're going to push back the start of the season to not risk injury of the players. So the deadline to, to, to have a new season starts December, uh, was December 1st. But realistically, I think we're looking at middle of january end of january as kind of like this looming time where it's stuff can go down and it can get real ugly i'll tell you what if they want to put the final nail in the coffin about this uh, of any opportunity for this game to come back in any national prominence they'll go ahead and have some kind of stoppage because people just will not care the numbers don't show this show they don't care they went through the whole COVID thing numbers were ridiculously low um, you know, nobody cared about the Dodgers winning the World Series aside from the Dodgers and their fans. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean, as far as the nation went, nobody cared. Nobody took that season seriously other than people who really pay attention to the sport. It was a sham from the beginning with all the stoppages and delays and we can't figure out how to get on the field because it's all about money, not about health and safety. So they get on the field and they start again this year and we have fans in the stands again and we have some really exciting playoff series. The Braves went out of nowhere. Nobody expected that. People thought it would be the Astros or the Dodgers. Or I have a really exciting postseason with an unexpected winner. Good young team. Really exciting. And now we're talking about more boardroom bullshit with work stoppages because this league can just not stop. Cannot stop getting in its own way. And if they want to put this league, <laughs> they want to take this league out behind the woodshed and end it once and for all. Uh, I'm not saying it'll be dead in a year, but if they want to for, just forego any chance, any chance, as small as it might be right now, of getting back to really, really high-level national prominence, um, yeah, go ahead and stop. See who comes back. McGuire and Associate walking through that door. 
Yeah, I, I there's no way in the way you've structured how all these tests are going to happen and, and even the things that happened this year with the uh, what was it the uh, the that, that substance they were using. That's oh the, yeah, yeah. I don't, I forget the name that yeah, was. me too. Spider Spider Tech. Something and like now that. Now they're 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 putting uh, clamps down on on what they can use. I mean, you you really you're not giving yourself an opportunity to really grow this game. And what's going to happen, Chris, is this this time they're going to get a bump December first uh, for about about a week. Yeah. It's not going to be a positive bump, but it's going to be a bump. You know. There's going to be p- different places talking about, ooh, work stoppage, what's happening, what, what could happen, what's the, the conversations going on, and then it's going to be dead. And, and, and if you think about this, Chris, and we made this joke before uh, past few years. Oh, it's not the hot stove anymore. It's a cold stove. Yeah. Well, if you thought it was cold before, and I, know, I understand we've had some, uh, some free agents sign, uh, but – you can, it's going to get real, real cold if this worst stoppage happens. And then if they get going end of January, beginning of February, then the stuff is going to fly. It, it, bridge is going to fly off the mar- market. But you're still going to have that lingering thought that it, this could have really ended. This really could have put the nail in the coffin for baseball if they have another work stoppage and they don't have that bump from – you know, uh, Maguire Sosa home run derby race, or it, it just doesn't seem like they have enough in the tank because they have to improve the game so much on the field. And there's talks about, you know, implementing a, a, a pre-tacked baseball in the uh, fall leagues and the uh, minors, which is fine. They've talked about, I saw an article that, the pitch clock had in Arizona Fall League or it was uh, minor league baseball, it took a half an hour off of the game. Mm. The pitching clock took – if you take a half an hour off the game, you've made some improvements. But obviously, you know, <clears throat> with the, the whole thing with the MLBPA, you know, you have to have the agreement in place, and if it doesn't happen – I do have an update for you, Chris, and I wish I would have saw this earlier on Mr. Wander Franco. This is per Ken Rosenthal, so I think we can go ahead yeah, and just pretty accurate. That. Yeah, it's also first from Jeff Passan. Again, guy's got a lot of credibility. Yep. Uh, Wander Franco deal is eleven years, one eighty-two, club option for twelfth year. Escalators based on MVP finishes, and that's all I have. Uh, that's all he has uh, posted on his Okay. Feed. I mean, I have to assume this was pretty, better. Some, some pretty handsome escalators then if uh, yeah. it was MVP finish, you know, so. I feel better. Yeah. I feel a little better yeah. that there's escalations in there. And you know, you, you know how the contracts in this game work. Like, even if there isn't an opt-out, if it's – five years in and he's literally the best player in the league. <laughs> he's just going to say, look, I want more money. Or I'm not stepping on that field. It's fair. And it's possible. It's happened before. And you know, it's, it's, it sounds stupid to people 
listening, saying you're making that much money. But realistically, these owners are making hundreds of millions of dollars off your name. So at least, yeah. So yeah, I may love the fans and your teammates, but um, they don't put money in your bank account. Well, they actually kind of do in a way, but through the owners, which is the again back to my point. Actually, I kind of made my point without even trying there. Through the owners who need to pay up. So, speaking of paying up, onto some football news. Uh, this one kind of surprised me, and as you know, you said when when we first started recording, or uh, excuse me, talking before we recorded, that this one surprised you too. The Broncos have given wide receiver Cortland Sutton a four-year, sixty-point-eight million-dollar extension. Um, Corwin Sutton's a fine receiver. He's had some nice games, but for a team that, I mean, it's going to have to invest more to keep that defense strong because I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was the move for the make, honestly. It's an odd move, especially with a team that quarterback seems at flux. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but yeah. it doesn't seem like he, he needs to be in the right but he almost needs seems like he need needed to stay in in New Orleans. I know the, you know, with Drew Brees and everything they had going on there, but it almost seemed like he needed to stay there and develop there. But it, I'm I'm sure it's not an exorbitant amount of money that's going to hurt the the payroll, but it just seems like an odd move for a guy who hasn't done much, and I know he's been injury, but. Then there's that up. That's it. There's there's that side that he's been injured quite a bit, and like you you want to cost certainty on a player that you think is a at, at minimum a number two wide receiver. Yeah, and I don't think he's done much to be a number two wide receiver to be realistic. But could that be the quarterback play? Maybe. Um, I just don't know where Denver's going to go unless they're going to try to trade for. Rodgers this offseason or Deshaun Watson, which... I think they are. I think they're going for Rodgers, personally. I I think Rodgers is a Bronco by the time next season starts, but that's just me. Well, it makes sense, and then you're setting yourself up with some players. They still have... I mean, I know Noah Fant's out, but they still have Noah Fant. They have Jerry Judy. Um, uh, Tim Tim Patrick? Tim Patrick. uh, Obviously, they have Cortland Sutton and uh, K.J. Hambler, who's, I know, out for the season, but terrific talent. Like, they have a lot of talent. Oh, yeah. Uh, they still have uh, Melvin Gordon, and and it seems like it's set for Rodgers to come in and just kind of take over if that happens. If Denver gets a top pick in the draft, I talked about the I talked to this issue uh, before we started. This is not going to be a great quarterback class. It's. It's just not like it's going to be the opposite of this past one where we had five, five legit guys who might be starters for years to come. And obviously we still have time to see if that comes to fruition, but I don't, I don't see there's going to be quarterbacks drafted, but it, this talent is not going to be uh, to the degree that we saw this year, maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. And that's a, and that's a gamble. Obviously the draft's a gamble, but that's a gamble. And if I'm the Denver Broncos, I take that pick and I'm like, all right, do we want to invest in defense, offensive line? I don't think there's going to be a running back in that area to take. So maybe dangle that in front of the uh, the, the Green Bay Packers. I know it's 
just that first round pick and the odds are the next if you say you give them three first rounds the odds are if you get Aaron Rodgers the next two are going to be high uh, not high in the draft they're going to be low in the draft so I don't know how else you make it lucrative but I think that I think your assessment there makes sense and having all these players in the position makes sense but it's still it's all ifs because if you don't get Aaron Rodgers what are you doing with yeah yeah (laughs) 10 million dollar court uh wide receiver 15 four for 60 so a 15 million dollar receiver that has for what for what it's worth i don't think he's made a pro bowl yeah i don't think so so see and he's been in the league for quite a few years so I, i i'm not knocking him for making his money but denver what are you doing Let's see, Cortland Sutton. Um, he has made he has made a Pro Bowl. Uh, second round selection in twenty eighteen. Uh, he's he, been in like three years. This is yeah, this is year four. Um, seven hundred and four re- uh, receiving yards and four touchdowns. Year one, eleven hundred and six. Year two. Was injured most of last year, right? Uh, and has played all well. Played very well this year. I mean, he has six hundred seventeen yards, only two touchdowns. But I mean, that could be a quarterback play. It could be, but again, like you said, unless you can actually lock up a good quarterback, uh, <laughs> a lot of this is for naught because it's not going to matter. You're going to be in the same boat next year, paying somebody more to not be able to catch, right? Or not be not he can't catch, but to not be able to put the ball in a position for him to catch it. So, um, well, speaking of quarterbacks, let's get to it because I knew you were going to love this one. Uh, the Saints, um, <laughs> I, I... who who just really I think what the Saints like to do is mm-hmm. get as as deep into cap trouble as possible, find their way out, and then take the money they just found their way out with and just set it on fire. And go, <laughs> Drew Brees is going to come back anytime now. Um, <laughs> Alvin Kamara is starting to get banged up. He's not a big guy, and they've depended on him to be the entirety of the offense. Uh, Jameis is out. I mean, for what's that to worth? I can't believe that's actually a thing, but <laughs> Jameis was doing good this year before he got hurt. Michael Thomas, uh, I don't think he'll ever shoot up for the Saints again, honestly. Uh, they had a bad falling out. He had a great year was bad last year when he was actually played. Hasn't played at all this year. Um, I don't think he's going to step on the field again for them. I think he's going to get traded in the offseason, like I said. Uh, defense is looking okay. You're going to need money to keep some of those young players around. Uh, and What do you do? You go assign Taysom Hill to a four-year, $40 million contract. Now, on the surface, four for 40, not terrible. Here's the problem. And, Ben, I've defended them time and time again when it comes to Taysom Hill. I'm not doing it this time. I'm not. I don't think he's garbage, but four years for what they use him with. If if this guy went out there as the quarterback and did fine, did great, four for 40 for a starting quarterback, okay. Okay, fine. Fine. Cool. Maybe it's a little over the top, but fine. Okay. They use him like four plays a game. 
and they're not winning. They're not winning without a quarterback there to – you can't – you can't have – lightning doesn't work without thunder. Like, I mean, not actually in like a scientific term, I might be just fine, but yeah. on the field, like if you don't have – if you're trying to use something to throw people off, if you don't have the opposite of that that's being effective, then when the other guy comes in, it's just not going to make any difference. If, you know, Lamar Jackson couldn't throw, or didn't develop into a good passing quarterback, he would not be successful right now. Because if you only have one aspect of the game down, and people know that, you're not fooled with anybody. When they had Drew Brees, and they could put Taysom Hill out there too, didn't know if they were going to run or throw, whatever. You could decoy, whatever. It might have been worth the $10 million a year. Fine. You have to rebuild this offense. You're telling me Taysom Hill's the guy. Four for 40, not that big a deal. Okay, here's the problem. It might be worth up to $95 million, depending on which position he plays when he's in the game. So if they need him to play quarterback, maybe he's making 15 to 20 a year. If they need him to play receiver, whatever they need him to play, it's going to affect what he makes. So you're going to tell me now, a guy who isn't going to lead your team to the playoffs, a guy who isn't going to be a pro bowler or a quarterback, a guy who has a hard time hitting water falling out of a boat from a passing standpoint, uh, <laughs> it's 15 to 20 a year when your team has is going to have at least down the road in the very near future far more pressing financial needs. One year at a high rate, fine. One and done. I defended him last year when it was like, what, like 17. Like uh, it, it was crazy. It was like 17 because it was, um, it wasn't, they didn't franchise him, did they? No, they gave him like a two year contract. Yeah. Okay. But you know, it, it was a lot, but it was like short term, no big deal. It's four years. So, <laughs> I just I don't know where their head is at because it's a as they said hybrid contract. Don't know what it's going to be worth until he uh, between forty and ninety five. So now the people running their books have to figure out how many times he took a snap at each position, what they're going to pay him, as if their salary cap situation under wasn't hard enough with a dead cap from Drew Brees a few years ago. It, 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 uh, <laughs> hey, Taysom knows a great story. Nothing against the guy, nothing personal. I know he runs really fast, he's really athletic, and, and he's this and he's that, and he's, you know what he's not? He's not a starting quarterback. He's not even a starting player in this league. I've defended him every time because I didn't think, I didn't think you were being fair for the short term, even big money in short term, they were going to pay him. I didn't think you were being fair for not realizing he's an anomaly. He's something people don't expect. Guess what? He's not, it's not working anymore. It's not going to work with Trevor Simeon behind the center. It's just not. <laughs> Drew Brees can get away with things. Not Trevor Simeon. No, not going to happen. And Taysom Hill is going to come in. And and, and <laughs> the, the Hill-Simeon connection is going to lead the Saints to a Super Bowl. Only going to like six wins. But come on. Come on, man. You're be- I wouldn't have had a problem if they came out and said, you know what? With, like you said, the future of the quarterback position is so uncertain. 
and the fact that he did well for us in the first couple of games, and he was great for us last year. He's a good clubhouse guy. We're going to go ahead, and we're going to give Jameis Winston five for 100. Maybe not the best use of money, but starting quarterbacks, good starting quarterbacks in this league are at least 50% higher per year than that, if not more. And it's a weak class coming up, like you said, for quarterbacks, and they don't want to sacrifice the entirety of their next couple of drafts trading for a guy in his late 30s or 40s, early 40s. So I would have no problem with that. But Taysom Hill, whoever thought that contract's a good idea should be fired. That's all I got to say. Well, I, I don't want to say you didn't leave much meat on the bone for me, Chris, but um, you made a lot of the points I would have made, so I'm not going to bore you <laughs> with uh, repeating it. I will, I will point this out for everyone who doesn't have um, spot track up in front of them like I do. Um, and I know it can sound boring. I'm just going to give you a couple of numbers, and you tell me how you feel. And if – you're, you you f- feel inclined, go on social media uh, after you listen to this and, and tell me how you feel as well, even if you're a Saints fan or not. Uh, currently as constituted, and I don't think this applies their, uh, the new French, uh, new um, contract for Taysom Hill. They're currently negative 51 next year. Um, <laughs> that's 51 million in cap space. Now, that's with the active – remember this. This is with the, the, the current – um, contracts they have in place. So obviously that doesn't count for contracts they might need to sign and rookies that they'll need to sign next year. Moving on to 2023, they currently have $34 million in cap space. And that is not counting rookies. That's not counting free agents needed. That's the active Rob contracts they have. I will grant anyone out there, yes, the salary cap will go up some degree next year, year after, not that much. However, Chris, however, there is a shining light. In 2024, they will have $140 million. Yeah. And like, 20, three, and like 20 three players four. signed, yeah. So, <sighs> great. In a few years, at the end of his new contract, there'll be enough to – really kind of diversify the offense and the defense with all that money. But you're not going to build much. And honestly, if Peyton keeps this up, he might not be there much longer. There's only so long a Super Bowl championship ring is going to carry you with an owner yep. and a fan base and a team. Um, they're starting Trevor Simeon right now. Let's just put a button on this, on this bow. They're starting Trevor Simeon. Whether your opinion of, of, well, he was injured for the first part of the season uh, and he's still dealing with some nagging. Okay. I'll reserve my, my, my all in judgment on Taysom Hill when he's fully healthy and they still go with Trevor Simeon because that just is indictment on Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. The money has to be right for his utilization to make sense. And also the point you brought up, if you know he's going to run there and there's no mystery about it, it ain't going to work. You need somebody on the field that's going to bring up that dynamic. 
You need a yin to the yang. Right. There was plenty of occasions where Drew Brees was still on the field with Taysom Hill, whether it was in the backfield, spread out wide, what have you. But right now, there's just Trevor Simeon, and he's not really a threat to throw at a ball, uh, not to the degree of other players. Jameis had a little bit more track record. Not the best track record, but enough track record to kind of throw them off a little bit. The defense, I mean. I just I just can't understand. And what, what makes it, what compounds it is that if if you're Sean Payton, and let's say Trevor Simeon goes down, you don't have uh, Jameis Winston. You're going to be forced to put to play Taysom Hill at this at that point. And when we see the details of the contract and what percentage it takes to get there, like you pointed out, those accountants are going to be, you know, checking those snaps. It's like, oh, hey, Sean, uh, he has 15 more saps and he's going to hit that escalator, and that's really going to going to mess up our uh, our salary cap. Or in the offseason, they're going to have to say, well, if he hits this many in this year, are we not going to be able to sign player X that we need? Or we have to play sign player Y, who's not as good and not as much of a fit as that other player. Like this, this is where cost certainty comes into play. And you just don't have that because, as you pointed out, there's this, you know, 40 million to 95 million. And we, I understand that's the, over the entire contract, but each year it's going to be its own little, probably own little, you know, column of it's going to be this much to this much. And you got to have that, you have to have that money on hand at the end of the year. So you don't hit, uh, don't, so you don't get penalized by the league for going over the cap or violating some salary cap issues, which I don't know the specifics on. But I know they're there, and I'm just thinking, Chris, they just keep digging themselves in this hole because they want to have all these players under contract, and it's just not it's just not going to work. No, no. And again, before I move on, I just want to make one thing very clear. All I said, I have nothing against Taysom Hill as a person. I don't know the guy. Um, as far as I know, he hasn't done anything like egregious off the field. It's just from a front office standpoint, and then the product you're watching on the field standpoint, it makes no sense to me. Um, somebody who is going to get paid if they continue at this current pace is one Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Uh, my goodness, did he have a game or what? Uh, he's been he extre- did Chris extremely. I know you had him in the league we're in. <laughs> I have I'm well aware. I have him in my twelve team league, which I'm the number one seed, and I, 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 I am thrilled to have him. Um, over two hundred total yards of offense, five touchdowns this past week. Single handedly, probably won a lot of people their fantasy matchups. Um, I thought you were a little crazy when you took him in the first round. I believe you took him in uh, this past so. draft, um, and. Um, I, I have to, I was going to say, I'm going to tentatively pencil him in as your keeper, because unless you have the first overall pick, you probably won't get him back if you let him go. Um, oh, you know, obviously that's kidding because we'll, you know, see when the time comes, but, um, this guy has looked great and he has, 
he's done for the Colts exactly what the Colts needed him to do, which is just allow Carson Wentz to be a game manager and the running game will control the clock and the pace of the game and the defense is good enough to not allow an astronomical amount of points. Um, And this Colts team, after looking really pathetic the first month of the season, I mean, Taylor came out, didn't have a couple couple of mediocre games. Uh, Ever since that slow start has just been one of the more steady backs in the entire league, if not the most steady back in the entire league. Uh, You know, (laughs) this is not a knock on Jonathan Taylor. This is just to show how dominant Derrick Henry was. Derrick Henry went out with injury three weeks ago. This past Sunday, Jonathan Taylor just caught up to him for first place of the rushing uh, for the rushing league. Uh, so that tells you how crazy Henry's numbers were. Um, but yeah, after Derrick Henry, Taylor's the best back in football right now. Chris, this doesn't surprise me. It, it doesn't. Um, I, I've seen Jonathan Taylor's work for the past few years. Everyone's well aware I'm a Michigan fan, Big Ten. He hails from Wisconsin, which was Wisconsin runs the ball. They run the ball, play action, and that's about what they do. And and this, I mean, you could go down the list of recent players that come out of Wisconsin and just perform. James White, uh, Melvin Gordon. Now Jonathan Taylor, it's it just you just keep seeing it. They got this kid. Oh God, what is his name? I just I just had it up. Um, God, he's he's really performing well. Um, I can't think of it right now. But they, he's they got another one. They got another, they're growing another one in, in, in Wisconsin and they're growing another one. <laughs> they, they literally they grow. It's like it's like linebacker you at Penn State. They just continue to grow these these talented running backs each <laughs> Alabama and receivers Alabama and receivers uh, you know the U when they had their heyday defensive players it's it, it it's remarkable because they run the ball a lot so you think they wouldn't have a lot of tread left but they're they play in such terrible weather especially at the end of the season that there's just it's there there's just there's a lot of like grit with uh, running backs from from Wisconsin, and also the kid's a track star. Um, I, he gets out in the open, he's gone. Oh yeah, and, well, and, we saw <laughs> we saw that a few times this past weekend. Yes, uh, I just I just like where he's at, and I think because it, it's really, and I think Naheem Hines has really been like dialed down on his his touches, just because of the fact that Jonathan Taylor is such a talent and he's being utilized in so many ways that if you're a fantasy player and you drafted Naheem Hines, you're kind of, you're kind of getting porked a little bit because I, I, I released him from my, my, one of my other leagues this past week there because I, there's, I mean, Nothing. it's not my number one, number one, that team is already in first place. Um, but still, even if I wasn't, I'd, I'd somebody I could use more in a different position because right. it's he's had four touches the past two weeks total. Or and there's no week. right, and there's no point. It's like Derek when, when Derek Henry's in. There's no point to have anybody else because he's just going to get fed the ball. 
Um, Dalvin Cook, when he's peaking and they don't start blowing out teams, we only blow out teams, obviously, Madison comes in. But if they're not blowing out teams, you know, and it's still close games, Dalvin Cook's going to stay in there. So it's it's good to see that he's performing. Uh, I expected this when they drafted, the Colts drafted him. My only concern was, were they going to have enough at quarterback to kind of force teams to not play nine, eight, nine in the box all the time to kind of really hamper him down. I saw a play where he's literally setting them up to think they're going to tackle him and then clicks on that next gear and he's gone. And it's, it's going to be scary for about a year, year or two um, after this to think how much he's going to put on the, on the field. My only concern will be obviously the wear and tear. Yeah. The hits it's, it's, it's just, you just can't, you're not gonna be able to avoid them. Even a great talent like Derrick Henry, obviously got his injury this year. And, but I like to see what he, I like, I like to see the, the Colts continue to utilize him the way they've been using him. And as you pointed out, as talented as Carson Wentz was coming into the league, all these injuries that piled up are going to factor into his mobility, his speed. And it almost makes sense to turn him into sort of a, an Alex Smith, you know, yeah, yeah. game manage. Don't turn the ball over. Feed your talented players. will get you guys around him. You know, they lost Paris Campbell uh, early in the season, but they still have talent on the field and you just need enough to get you over the hump. And, and I just think feeding Jonathan Taylor could be the answer. You saw what the Titans did with um, Derrick Henry. They rode him the last few years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't see why they can't do the same thing with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, and with the injury to Derrick Henry, this opens up an opportunity for the Colts to kind of overcome and, and, and take over that division if they can. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, like I said, I have, um, have Derrick Henry in my, my 12-team league. And I uh, I was working this past Sunday. Normally I have Sundays off, but due to the Thanksgiving. You mean uh, Jonathan Taylor? Oh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, excuse me. Yeah, Derek had me on the brain. Um, Jonathan Taylor. And I think I took him in the second round in that league, which was a steal. Looking back on it now, it was ridiculous. Um, so, hold on, my dog's, like, making weird noises and stuff. Um, <laughs> she uh, She loves being a part of the show. I have them, and I, I, I normally don't work Sundays, but because of Thanksgiving, uh, everything was bumped up. Things I normally do on Thursday, do on Wednesday, and then so on and so forth. So my boss asked me, you know, can you come in Sunday and get you know get some stuff done? You normally would do on Monday. That way everybody can have holiday off, take Friday off, you know, have a nice little nice little break. Sure. So I had my phone, and I was, you know, every half hour or so I was checking the scores. I'd look in the first quarter, and, you know, Taylor's got – a nice run, touchdown. I look at all of a sudden, you got a receiving touchdown. I look again, there's a second touchdown. There's a third touchdown. And I'm just like, at that point, you're texting me like, are you seeing this? And I'm like, I'm not watching it, but trust me, I'm paying attention. And uh, I think I think he, for me, with the scoring format in my other league, he uh, put up like almost 51. And I was playing a team that didn't have a great record, but put up a lot of points. And I, I still was able to win. So that's... 
that's nice because I want to play. I want to play all those low seed teams heading to the championship game because I I have no interest in being the number one seed and being one and done. But we'll that's a different story. We'll talk about our, our fantasy teams a little bit more in depth and at a later date. But you and I though do have a big matchup this weekend, so we do. We'll, we both very much need a win, and we're both very much in playoff contention. And I don't think both of us are going to make it, so it's going to be a big game. Uh, some, uh, before we get into the last, the last segment here, uh, before banker tank, Adrian Peterson signed by the Titans when Derrick Henry got hurt three weeks ago has been released. Um, not really a shock. They probably weren't using them all that much. And you saw the product on the field. I mean, even things that have happened off the field on the field, Peterson's a legend and he's had a great career. Um, you got a thing from what you've seen. If he goes to the Titans that love to run the ball and do everything they can to succeed running the ball, and he can't run the ball that well, you got to think the end is near for Adrian Peterson. Um, but he was released today, so he is a free agent, and we'll see We'll see if he ends up somewhere else. Uh, and then we have what <laughs> seems to have become a weekly segment, the NFL hierarchy. <laughs> is I don't even know anymore. This is the most... Week to week, anything can happen. Season I have ever seen in my life. Um, we did. We were planning on potentially doing it at the end of this show. The show is already running a little bit longer than I thought it was going to, so we're probably going to skip it this week and do it next week. We're going to run down from the bottom to the top each conference and just pick who has a chance to win the Super Bowl and who doesn't. I think we're going to have a large amount of teams just based on just. The, the the parody from week to week that we both think could probably actually be the ones holding the Lombardi Trophy up and, and after the Super Bowl. I mean, usually there's three or four teams where you're like, yeah, it's going to be one of them. It's definitely going to be one of them. Maybe one of these two or three outlier teams. There's 10 to 12 teams this year. I don't think that's an exaggeration. But you could say, if they get on a hot streak at the right time and get the right opponents they could end up being the last team standing. So that will be next week. Uh, But for this week's edition of what the hell is going on here, um, Arizona Cardinals, (laughs) they won the first week without Kyler, got beat pretty bad by Carolina last week, or two weeks ago, and then last week, win once again with Colt McCoy. Uh, The Seahawks... Russell Wilson's back. Somebody tell the rest of the Seahawks uh, because they have not looked the same. Russell does not look right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something's still wrong with that finger, but I I don't know. The Colts and Jonathan Taylor absolutely destroyed the Bills. The Bills, who for up until this point, I've been calling the best team in football still. Um, Just, and before that, it was Baltimore who got beat pretty bad also. Um, two weeks ago, uh, Texans beat the Titans. Browns barely escaped the Lions. Cowboys offense was atrocious against a suddenly competent Chiefs defense. The Ravens are surprised to not have Lamar, uh, due to a non-COVID related illness right before game time. They still win. Um, (laughs) well, 
what what's the biggest surprise positive and negative negative is the bills because if we touted these guys early in the season in the preseason as as okay they're going to take over the division for now um they did last year uh we expected a sustained you know two to three years of of success because they've been incrementally building this team adding Stefan Diggs seemed to be the last key to the cog and I don't know if the league's figuring them out or they're just not as good as we thought they were I I don't know what it is about the bills that they just can't they can't run the ball and yet they have one of the biggest running backs in the league in Josh Allen uh they they spent draft capital two in two successive years on Singletary and Moss, and they just can't get production. And you would think with a talent like Josh Allen that you would keep the, the defense on edge to the point where that holes would be open for those running backs to to go through. And I just don't I don't see it. I don't. They have Stefan Diggs. Does it seem like they have anything else? I thought Dawson Knox was going to turn it into something. He seems in and out a little bit with injuries and, and in and out because he's, I don't know if he's that upper echelon talent. Um, and, and what else do they have receiver? Cole Beasley and his issues off the field with the vaccine turned into a, a, a storm on itself. And now on the field, he's not really producing too much. I don't know if there's that much else other than, I mean, Manuel Sanders is a shell of himself, but we knew that when he uh, last played, I think it was um, uh, New Orleans. He didn't produce much with them. It, it just seems like the offense has become stagnant. So there's one thing that we mentioned um, throughout every episode, Chris, every year we do this. It's one thing we want to be. We want to be consistent. I called out the the Ravens and their offense when they were stagnant, when they were just running the ball and it was all about Lamar and it doesn't seem like they're evolving the offense. I'm calling out the Bills. Your offense is stagnant and you're not doing anything about it. Brian Dayball, you're not doing anything about it. Sean McDermott, are you spending too much time on defense? Maybe. Maybe you're apparently not enough because you have 41 points this past week. And so, that could be a, a, a product of the inefficient offense, too. It could be both. It could be both. I'll grant you that. It just seems like there's something wrong with the Bills. They had a nice little run. And honestly, it could be as simple as they got a big head. It could just be that simple. They thought they were better than, they, than, than everybody else. They bought into the, the, the hype. And just as a, a, a note to everybody else, Chris, Who's first in the division? Oh, um, the New England Patriots are back in first place in the AFC East, a division that I, you and I both picked the Bills for heavily before the season started. We love our team, but we were trying to be realistic. We did not anticipate they'd have it all together this quickly. Uh, it's interesting you said that about the Bills because they're also my my negative um, from the perspective of the week-to-week hierarchy too. And I almost picked the Chiefs, but I'm going to go with the Bills. Um, no, Chiefs weren't negative, excuse me. I know what I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, 
This team looked great. Yeah, they weren't undefeated. But they went into Kansas City and they smoked the Chiefs. And ever since they left, they have not been the same team. They have not looked the same consistently on the field. I said it a few weeks ago. Some of these teams that come in that were young and the team wasn't didn't have such a great track record for the previous couple of seasons and they start winning, they almost seems like they don't know how to win. Not they can't win a game because they obviously did to get to that point, but we saw with the Bengals. The Bengals were the number one seed in the AFC. When's the last time you were able to say that past a, a fluke? Week one or two victory where it was a tie. <laughs> like, a tie for first place. They were the sole possessors of the number one seed in the AFC. They go in and they get absolutely hammered by Mike White and the Jets. Who have looked abysmal ever since. And quite honestly before. Um, <laughs> they, You know, it, it's... The, the Ravens then lose to uh, the Chargers. The Chargers are the Chargers be the Ravens. I don't know. Either way, both teams look good, and the other one, one team beat the crap out of the other one. Uh, the Bills then get get destroyed by a up until last past week, uh, what people thought was a just average or slightly above average Colts team. Um, I mean, these teams that are in first that haven't had the success year in and year out are struggling. Whenever they get there. Because it's like, oh, we're top of the mountain now. What do we do? We got to do something different. We got to do whatever we got to do to stay here. Instead of just sticking with your game plan. You try to change too much stuff up. For all we talked about Kansas City. And you and I talked a lot about Kansas City. And how bad, abysmal they looked the first. Got six, seven weeks of the season, if not more. They looked really good the last couple weeks. The Cowboys. I think peaked really early and they looked really good really early they've had a couple of games now this isn't the first one this past week against Kansas City where that offense looks anemic there's been two or three games this year where Dak and that offense have not looked great um so but they're still a good team they're a very good team they're gonna win that division and they could win some playoff games too and you never know what's gonna happen when it's you know just head-to-head in the playoffs you know, one game, 60 minutes, anything can happen. So, it, the Dallas Cowboys are, are not a joke, but they aren't the juggernauts. I think everybody considered them to be after the first month. But still, that was a statement win by Kansas City. That defense looked exact opposite of the first month to six weeks of the season. That's a team that knows how to win. They've been there. They've struggled, they've succeeded, and they come out stronger on the other side. People aren't going to like this. They're going to say I'm being a homer. Same with the Patriots. They struggled early. They're figuring out who they were. They were getting their footing. And there's a lot more uncertainties on the Patriots than there is with the Chiefs. I will grant you that by a long shot. But it's a solid defense. It's an offense that's coming together. It's a really good young quarterback who improves week to week and a coaching staff that knows how to get the most out of their players. They know how to win. Baltimore. Baltimore's had some struggles a little bit. They've had some nice comebacks. They've had some slips and falls. Lamar, inactive this week. Not feeling well. Couldn't go. You know if Lamar's not going, 
clearly not feeling well. Uh, and bring her back up in. Still find a way to win. Baltimore knows how to win. All the faults that the Pittsburgh Steelers have on the future of the team and the unhappiness with the players and coaching staff and ownership and whatever the TJ Watt issues earlier in the year. They know how to win. They've won some games. Some franchises have a history and a pedigree of success and they know how to win. And other ones just, they get there and they're like a deer in the headlights. And then you get a one in five team that comes along and runs them over. It, 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 it won't stay away forever. The Bills keep this core group together. They're going to learn from year to year. Same with uh, same with uh, 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 um, L.A. Chargers. Teams like that. But right now, Bengals. Browns. Right now, you're going to take their growing pains. It's not all going to be fun and games and sunshine and lollipops and wins and Super Bowl rings and all that crap. They're, they're, they're going to struggle and it's going to be ugly. And it's going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly again. But that's my take on that. Yeah, I think to, to finish up on the Bills, your point is sound. Um, once they left the Chiefs, they're they're two and three, and and, and I don't want to like poo poo their their wins against the Dolphins and the Jets because you could say the same about the Patriots. So I, I'm trying to I'm just going to call those you know a wash because they face the same teams, but. You, you had a chance against the Colts to to come out and win and make a statement. You got blown out. Blown out. And then I think, because that's not just, that's not only not bad. Two weeks before, they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Nine to six. I don't know what to tell you, Buffalo. You Either, either you, it's, it's offensive problems or it's defensive problems. I just looked up a stat, and I think – so I was just quickly looking through all the stats. It's like, oh, well, their defensive stats are, are really good across the board. Low on, you know, top top 10 in in, in um, yards. I think they're number one or number two in points against. And they, they have all these great stats. The turnover differential is really good. They get a lot of picks. They have 19 sacks. They are second from the bottom in sacks. They don't have that guy. And and I texted you early this week, Chris. I said, this guy needs some love in the defensive player of the year. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Mr. Matthew Judon. Mr. Red Sleeves. I'm telling you, when, when he is turned on, he is wrecking quarterbacks, and it is affecting the play of those quarterbacks. I'm amazed. I don't think I, I thought he was going to have this kind of impact on the on the Patriots defense, but he has. And I don't see the Buffalo Bills having any sort of player of that degree that can impact a game like that. And that may be what their problem is, is they just – when the quarterback can sit there, and we know this, we've heard it many, many years – if a quarterback can sit in the pocket and just go through his progressions, any quarterback can be successful. Yep. And if you're just going to let that happen, 19 sacks in, what are we, week uh, 11? Going to week 12. We're going to week 12. 
and you have 19 sacks, you're barely getting a sack a game. That's and I'm sure they clustered those uh, sacks in in um in a few games. We've seen Patriots teams where they had great turnover differential. Um, what is it, 09, I think it was. They had, like they were getting picks like crazy, but when the picks dried up, when the turnovers dried up, they still couldn't get to the quarterback. Ah. Yeah, yeah, that's why they struggled in that season because, yeah, exactly. And then to flip that on the other side, Chris, and I I hate to bring this up because we have the same emotion about it. The 2011 New York Giants had the worst secondary to ever win a Super Bowl. And why did they win? That defensive Defensive line. line. That line was insane, especially in the Super Bowl. I'll tell you this. We're at a we're at a, a breaking point right now, Chris, with this division, and I, I want to pin it down right to this division because I think, um, as, as we look at the the other divisions, I know the AFC West can be up for the grabs, but um, I think we kind of know where that's going right now because that that train is kind of we were concerned that if Mahomes' train started rolling, that's kind of yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we. The South could be a fight. We're not sure. Got to see Tennessee. Uh, the North seems to be coming up clear with the the Ravens. These two games in a matter of four weeks with the Patriots and the Bills, that usual statement will be that could decide the, di- the division. I think this year it's really going to decide whether or not one of these teams actually goes to the playoffs. And I know that's a statement because the Bills are six and four, the Patriots are seven and four. And I just have a feeling that one of these teams is going to have a really good record and they're going to be out of the playoffs because there's so much, as you put parity in this conference and the other conference that I think one of these teams is going to be sitting out. And even if you split it, I think it's still going to matter um, when those losses happen. And I think I think the Patriots are on a high, and I think the Bills are on a low. Boy, if I'm a Bills fan, I'm very concerned where, our, where your team's going right now. I'm just going to say this, too, for all the Patriot haters out there and all my fellow Patriot fans listening. Uh, this team, with the exception of Baltimore Ravens, who do have uh, – who are above them, and they don't play them. the The Patriots' fate is entirely in their own hands. All the teams that could potentially oust them in positioning wise from playoff seating, um, they play. They play Tennessee this coming weekend. Then Buffalo. Then they're on bye. Then they play the Colts. Then they play the Bills, and they finish off with. Right now, what looks to be two winnable games with Jacksonville and Miami. So if they go. Imagine the meltdown of this league if they just went out. They just went out and they get the number one seed. That's how glorious that would be. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy your year off from Patriots, uh, Patriots dominance, folks, because it's not going to be pretty for you going forward. We told you, we told you, we told you. Hope you enjoy the year. Enjoy your memes and enjoy your Belichick shit talk, and enjoy your. It was all Brady. And enjoy all the nonsense. We told you. Just saying. Look out. Yeah, I, I, I get. I get people wanted to you know really jump down the throat and say, "It's over. It's done. You guys had your run." 
you should have waited at least an extra year or two to see if Phil could come up with something and then go all in on the memes and the, the you're done, you're toast, your franchise is over, you're going to be the bottom of the barrel for a decade plus. You should, you should have waited because Bill has his quarterback. Bill has his defense. Watch out. Because this team, he, this has, team is he has the system that he and Brady developed to make them both legends. Right. So I'm not I'm not calling a Super Bowl win this year. I'm not saying that. There's a lot of talented teams. And all it takes is a couple of slip ups in a regular and in a game that can happen. This team is competitive. This is not a fluke. This is not a fluke. Mac Jones when, is only getting better. So when Mac when Mac Jones comes out and pulls that tight game off with a drive and is successful and shuts shuts down the other team with a game ending drive, I might start to, you know, hey, you might be the favorite, but you know, he hasn't quite done that yet. And there's still that guy out there in Casey that for for what it's worth, if you put if you put me to it, Chris, one quarterback to win one game. I'm gonna go with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I, oh, me too. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I'm saying all things told, not just Mac Jones. Right. Mac Jones on the Jacksonville Jaguars right now is not, not very great. No. His game works with this system and this coaching staff and this team, and his intelligence level is there. He's the right guy in the right position. So, just very excited about where it's going, and um, the potential is definitely there. All right. Should we move on from the Patriot podcast? And Let's move on. We talked for like 10 minutes. We're good. Um, we're excited. And we had to rub it in a little bit because we've been hearing nothing but flack from people about how they were done. They were done. So let's get to my spreadsheet here for Banker Tank. Banker Tank. Week 11. I was 3-3. Three and three. Ben had a rough one at one and five. Tammy, number one fan of the show, also my wonderful mother, is four and two. So she's starting to turn it around a little bit. I have a two-game lead over Ben at 37 and 29. He's 35 and 31, although the way we've both been going, that will very quickly swap. I think we may be going down to the last week or two, he and I, for the season. Season total, and Tammy is 28 and 32, so she certainly is not out of anything yet. Uh, and she actually didn't play week one, so she took six potential uh, wins away from herself there by, by not playing week one. Uh, but she can still definitely come back and and uh, make, a, make a run for it. But on to week 12. We're start with Bank, as always. Who you got, Ben? I got a surprise. Okay. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Cam Newton, Najee Harris, and Brandon Cooks. Let me get that in my spreadsheet here. Yep. Brandon Cooks. I, needed, I, I have. One, I needed one more time with Cam. I just needed to put it out there Cam. at least one more time. I have Aaron Rodgers, David Montgomery, and Jamar Chase. Tank. Tank. Uh, I have to do at least once this year, Chris. Zach Wilson, DeAndre Swift, Marvin Jones Jr. 
Marvin Jones Jr. I have Derek Carr, Austin Eckler, and A.J. Brown. Anything else, or are you good on this Thanksgiving week edition? Uh, I I just want to sign off with one thing. In four days, noon on Saturday, there will be a battle in Ann Arbor. The 9-1 Michigan Wolverines against the 9-1 Ohio State Buckeyes. I am hyped. I am excited. I am nervous. And I'm dreading an outcome that I don't want to see. So if if you're out there and you see my my tweet, you see my Facebook message, please support me in, in my 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 drive this weekend to hopefully see my Michigan Wolverines for the first time in what seems like a century, but more like a decade plus to come out on top and beat the Ohio State Buckeyes so they can make the college football playoffs. And for the first time in a long time, just just feel feel good about my team, my college football team. Go Blue. All right. Well, on that note, I'll, I'll be rooting for you to uh, not have the outcome you don't desire because it's been a while since you've been able to have a statement win against – Ohio State, but um, if uh, if Michigan doesn't pull it off, uh, somebody just call for a wellness check on Ben because it might be ugly. On that note, if you have any questions on this episode or past episodes for Ben and I, anything sports-related at all, we'd love to hear from you, and we're going to get in touch with us. Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, BCTSpod.com. And Instagram, Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports. All right. If you have not done so yet, ladies and gentlemen, and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating and a review, and then tell a friend to do the same. Really appreciate the support, and word of mouth is a great way to spread the word. For Ben, I am Chris. Please have a very safe and happy holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.